Hey, hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Cazenzo, and this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Uh, joining you here on Wednesday evening. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, for those of you who are joining us live, and for those of you who may have joined us live a little earlier on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, we had to call a little bit of an audible and uh, switch things up at the last minute because our tests were not going so great, but uh, we had a lot of people that were giving us some good feedback and all kinds of stuff. We'll talk more about that in just a second, but I want to welcome in John Sheeran. Uh, John, how are you doing this week, bud? I'll be honest, man. When, when, when you when you first mentioned the idea of Facebook, I genuinely thought that I already, already deleted mine. <laughs> like, I haven't, I have not posted on Facebook since 2016, and I remember that Rebecca Tobak, our old boss, maybe made me an, an admin on, on, the, on the Facebook page. Like, oh yeah, I can do that. So that was definitely an adventure, and I'm glad that we got some, some sort of sense of clarity on what to do there. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, for those of you joining us live, I, I just want to clarify a couple things. We're, we're doing this show um, kind of the way we've been doing the past couple because of some limitations that have been given to us through our normal way of, of podcasting and our normal way of streaming live, which is through YouTube and Google Hangouts. Um, so for those maybe watching a little bit after the fact, or maybe even during, there may be a little bit of difference in audio quality with John Sheeran. We are working to remedy that. Here's the thing, and I told John this before we took the air here. Normally, uh, you know, we could figure out a way to immediately improve the audio. We, John and I can just record, you know, we could theoretically record on our own and then put the audio out there and then, you know, maybe do some other things with, with some video. We have found that there are at any given point, there are a number of different Bengals fans that join us. There are a number of different people that, I mean, there it is right here. LVR talk show. I love Wednesday nights. So I, I hope that's in reference to our show, but um, you know, I, this, the reason why we've been going through these steps and still kind of, I don't want to say suffering through this, this little bit of transition here um, is because of this live component. There are Bengals fans that like to interact with us. They like to interact with each other in the live chat portion. They love to tune, tune in live. Um, some people like to just watch the show on YouTube with the videos in general. So that's kind of why we have decided to stick with this, at least for this month. Uh, these past few weeks with this changeover that happened with YouTube and Google Hangouts on August 1st. We appreciate the support. We appreciate your patience on this. John, I, I greatly appreciate your patience because we've been trying a lot of different things and uh, been banging our heads against the wall. So, you know, I, just stick with us just a little bit longer. We will figure this out. We're, we're coming up with some more ideas as to how to remedy everything. But, um, you know, the, the reason why we're kind of, I, I want to reiterate that, the reason why we're kind of going through the, the different areas to provide this streaming video service, uh, I guess, is because there are people who want that and there are people who interact uh, when we record live. So that is why we're doing this and we continue to do the video uh, at least in some form. So we appreciate the patience. Stick with us. Um, We'll get it figured out. <laughs> I've said that for the past few weeks now, but we'll we'll uh, we'll get it figured out. I mean, I'm seeing others. Uh, Nathaniel, no worries. We're Bengals fans. That in itself requires patience. That might be the comment of the night right there. Um, so appreciate that, and Dave, I appreciate your your kind words too. So, John, thanks, buddy. I know it's been it's been a, a mountain to climb, but we're we're I think slowly getting there. We're slowly finding some alternatives. <laughs> 
slowly but surely, man. Slowly <laughs> but surely. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's talk. Let's let's quit wallowing in some podcast self pity here, and let's let's talk about some Bengals uh, football. Kind of a lot of a lot of interesting news, not only around the NFL, but specifically for the Bengals coming uh, recent, really recently. Um, we'll get to some interesting NFL news with the Colts Bengals preview uh, coming up later this episode. But let's start off with kind of the promotions and demotions that have come out over the past couple of days. Damian Willis will now apparently go from undrafted rookie scrub to week one starter in place of A.J. Green. You have Trey Hopkins starting now at center with last year's first round pick Billy Price on the bench. And you also have, uh, who was the other one? It was, uh, oh, it was the rookie, Michael Jordan starting for the Bengals at left guard, seemingly winning the job really in the past couple of weeks. I guess I'll start here with you, John. Which one is the most surprising in terms of maybe what you've seen, the position, the talent level that's being promoted or demoted, all of that? I think the most surprising to me is Hopkins, just because of the situation that he dealt with and the fact that he originally got the start in week two of the preseason because they were still... Telling us that Price was dealing with his with his foot issue and that wasn't going to go away anytime soon, or he was still you know, kind of battling that. So to have Hopkins start for for Price for that reason made, made some sense. And then when Price um, retained his starting spot week three, I initially thought, okay, that's it. He's going to be the week one starter. They're going to commit to him at, at the center position. Unfortunately for Hopkins, who played all right in in this preseason, played well enough to keep his starting spot. They're going to go with the first round pick. So to see Hopkins, the guy who I think we all agree is the better center, get the job over last year's first-round pick, a guy that they have repeatedly stood behind, even though he's been struggling to translate to the NFL, it really shocked me. And when I, when I first saw that, I was like driving home from Columbus, on, and I saw that on Twitter, and on, right, then at, right then and there I said, okay, whatever Zach Taylor is is pushing, I'm buying. Like the, the, This is definitely a sign to me that, that things have definitely changed. And that we're not, you know, we're not going to throw out guys based off reputation and draft status. That was the one move that really kind of didn't necessarily sell me on Zach Taylor because he doesn't coach the regular season game. But in terms of him preaching this attitude of best man will play and then actually proving that with with this decision, it really just spoke to me in a way that not necessarily the Damian Willis news meant because he because Willis did start in week three and he has looked tremendous there. And honestly, their other options aren't very good and they don't have a first-round pick from last year, and the fact that Michael Jordan has been starting for the past couple weeks, I think that was the expectation in that regard, so definitely the Hopkins news for me resonated the most in terms of things that have actually changed this time. Agreed. Um, this there, there are a lot of avenues to kind of take when you digest this stuff. Side note with Damian Willis, for me, a little concerning that there's been basically no update whatsoever on A.J. Green, at least not publicly. Um, you know, I have, of course, I have people texting me and, and calling me with fantasy football questions about, Hey, when's AJ Green going to play and how long is he out? And of course, because that's, that's everybody's main concern with, with that situation. But, um, does that just kind of a side note, does that worry you at all that they have, they've been pretty mum on that? Or is this kind of still, Hey, you know what? We maybe expected, um, maybe expected him to be out the first couple of games here anyway. So uh, right. this this Willis promotion really isn't 
it, it's surprising in that it was an undrafted guy, but it's not surprising that someone's getting a shot the first, maybe the first game or more. Right. It's always it's always just safer to assume that any Bengals injury is longer than you you would initially expect it. And I I kind of in the back of my mind thought probably week four, like the end of October, is when we would probably see Green either return to the field or very close to it. I don't think he's playing the first three or four games of this season. And honestly, yeah, Willis is is the is the guy. Like, and the fact that Malone was starting early hasn't really done anything with that. And Willis just keeps proving his opportunities. So it, it's his until Graham comes back, and obviously Graham's going to take it back. But it, depending on how he does, it, it may keep his spot on the roster because when Green comes back, they might not keep seven on the roster anymore, and they might only go back down to six. So Willis's job is not done in, in any way, shape, or form. So if he wants to keep his roster spot, he's going to have to produce in that role. So let's let's transition there because I think that's a good that's a good um, thing to to talk about, and that is the confidence level of these guys who have risen to seemingly um, whatever you want to call it, kind of an unlikely rise into the starting lineup because of the past regime. We'll talk more about that in a second. But what's the what are your confidence levels on these three guys in terms of week one coming in and playing well, playing in Seattle? playing against a Seattle defense that has been traditionally good over the past five to eight years, if not more, um, you know, guy, a, an undrafted rookie that has to try and emulate some form of production as a potential Hall of Fame guy. Um, I don't know. What is, what is your confidence level of in, in these guys as they step it, into these roles? It's interesting that they're playing Seattle first because – I'm more confident in saying that Hopkins is a better center than Jordan is a better than Jordan is a guard and Willis is a wide receiver. But Willis, I think, will have the better chance to prove himself because, unfortunately for Seattle, the Legion of Boom is no longer the Legion of Boom. Right. And the secondary is definitely a weakness for that team right now. The strength of the Seattle defense still is in that front seven. That's where Hopkins and Jordan are going to have tough days because they're going to go up against talented defensive linemen. Puna Ford, if, um, who went to Texas, Trey Hopkins went to Texas, refused for him, that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. So Hopkins, I think, is going to be the most tested week one starter out of them. And obviously Jordan as well, because you know Jordan is far from a finished product himself, and he still has a lot to work on, specifically in pass protection. But I think they're going to try and utilize what what both those guys bring that I got you know Billy Price and John Jerry don't. That's just more um, advanced run blocking in his own scheme. I think they're going to try to establish that early against Seattle, and that's going to be tough to do because that again that front four. It's still very stout. They have talented players there. So I think Willis has the easier matchup, and therefore I have the most confidence that he's going to look good out of this group. But I still believe that Hopkins is the better player and it has the best chance of at least showing that as long as he wins his matchups for Yeah, I agree. I think I think Hopkins is probably the guy I have the most confidence in, um, probably because he is the most battle-tested of the group. He has played different spots on the line, center included. He had started games at center uh, and played decent, uh, not only in the preseason, but last year in the regular season when Billy Price was out. So, um, you know, to me, Hopkins is the guy that I think has has given me the most confidence of that group um, going, going forward. So, you know, we talked about this, I think, last episode where the different, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but the, the differences between Zach Taylor and Marvin Lewis, and obviously now as we look at the the these promotions of these players that we're talking about, that's a big step in a different direction from Marvin Lewis. Now, we can say it is a positive step because, in general, 
if you look at it from kind of a, a big picture perspective, it is a hopefully a better a positive mood move because it's basically a guy not handing positions to veteran guys that may be unworthy as compared to other guys. But there, it is a double-edged sword here. Um, I, I, again, I think it's it's positive from a big picture pers- perspective. Obviously, it's easy to say it's positive if it all works out. But to me, I, I look at this, John, and this is a this is kind of a <laughs> I don't know if I want to use this word, but it's kind of a a ballsy move by Zach Taylor in terms of hey, I'm throwing my I'm throwing my reputation out there, right? I mean, I'm I'm putting my reputation on the line. By making these decisions, we really showed we really like Michael Jordan, and now he's going to be a starter. Um, we're going to sit the former first round pick. We're going to give this undrafted rookie a, a chance over some other guys. I, I don't know, man. I mean, this could pay off in a big way, but this could be a major ding to Zach Taylor's reputation if this kind of blows up in his face. Yeah, I think the aspect that we need to remember is that Taylor, and I guess in a sense Jim Turner, gave these guys the promotions because they deserved it. And if they're willing to do that so hastily compared to the previous tender of Lewis, I think they wouldn't hesitate to really pull those guys if they're not performing. And I think that's the main difference here because it took so long, like you said, for veterans to be supplanted by worthy successors or younger guys. And unfortunately, if, if... if Jordan, if Willis, or even Hopkins, you know, doesn't prove to be started worthy, I think they can be easily as pulled and replaced by the guys who kind of, we kind of expected to start in the first place. So I think that's an, another side of this of this change in this in this transition that we're just not used to seeing and we're not used to expecting because you know when guys in the previous tender were were, were granted starting opportunities. They were given every chance that they can get. Unfortunately, not for a guy like John Ross or maybe some other rookies that we that we've mentioned. But I, I think the leash is definitely going to be shorter because of these these moves are drastic and in relation to what we expect. So if they don't work out, then I guess they just don't work out. And there's no better time for Zach Taylor to do this than right now because right. he's got the he's probably got the most job security out of any out of any head coach in the NFL right now. So it, is his reputation on the line? I wouldn't exactly go that far. But I do think that he's not going to be uh, so hesitant to really switch things up again if things don't go exactly as planned. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean like, you know, reputation on the line as if his job is on the line. But it, it what I mean is it's kind of an early uh, an early push of the chips to the t- center of the table, right? I mean, it's right. it's, it's kind of a, a thing where, you know, man, he's, he's kind of just saying, I'm going all in right now. And I'm going in with guys that I either I brought here or that I don't trust from the previous regime. The other side of the double-edged sword that I've been talking about with this is now you got to look at the draft prowess of the Cincinnati Bengals and their brain trust, right? I mean, there's we can talk about the past handful of first-round picks, and now we're looking at Billy Price. John Ross hasn't practiced yet again all preseason. He might, he might play against the Colts. Maybe not, but he is scheduled to have a role against the Seahawks, but we know the history there. Billy Price now demoted to a second-string guy. Cedric Abwehi. I mean, the, the high picks recently have crippled this franchise over the last three losing seasons. Um, on the other side, the undrafted guys, Trey Hopkins, good find. Damian Willis, seemingly a good find. Um, Michael Jordan, fourth-round pick, now a starter right away as one of, if not the youngest guy on the roster. So... 
a lot of this is just kind of a thought I had today, and I, I I'd love to get your take on it. But obviously, Duke Tobin and others are kind of under the microscope for these high profile picks that aren't panning out. But somehow they're still finding these diamond in the rough guys, the Alden Tates, the Willis's, all of those guys. There's only one solution: we have to trade out of the first round and everything. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 I don't know if if our viewers know of, of DNH Sports, but one of the, one of the hosts on that show his name's his name's Hoji. He, he actually suggested this to me like last year, and I kind of scoff at the idea because, like, why would you willingly give up a first round pick? Those are the those, those are the most talented prospects. If you're consistently just whiffing every year in the first round, you might as well just trade out. Like, like you, you, you'll you'll get more capital, you'll get more picks in in areas that you're more successful in. And I agree, Duke Tobin should be under the microscope. I don't know if he is because they love him so much in the organization. He still works with his dad, and he still obviously is slowly gaining power in, in that in that brain trust that you mentioned. But, yeah, he should be under the microscope because uh, right now the, the, the best pick right now is William Jackson, and, and even he's struggling in the preseason. And he, I, I love Jonah Williams as a prospect, but at the same time he's injured and he passed up on a couple of quarterbacks and, right there. So, yeah, like, just try out the first round. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, that may be, that may be the uh, the solution there, obviously. I, I I think you say that maybe a little tongue in cheek, but I mean that that might be something that you may need to think about as as a franchise if you keep whiffing on these guys, and uh, obviously injury issues keep hit, hitting some of these guys too. But um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of comments here in the live YouTube chat. Um, Will Smith saying basically this is um, that's how you change a losing culture, meaning setting the tone and letting the best guys play. He also said, we used to waste the first two to three years of our draft picks. We've seen some of that already with some of the guys currently on the roster. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think I think that's a good that's a good point there. But for now, Damian Willis is stepping in supposedly as the starter uh, at wide receiver opposite of uh, Tyler Boyd, potentially John Ross. Who knows who else? We'll talk more about that when we do kind of some roster predictions going into final cutdown weekend here. But... Um, you know, these guys are going to step up and they're going to need to grow up fast. Luckily, they've been playing well in the preseason. Some people, if you're a pro football focus aficionado, um, you know, Trey Hopkins and, and, uh, I, I believe Michael Jordan as well, at least in certain facets have put up some decent PFF grades. So, you know, maybe that is part of what's playing into the, the decision here. Who knows? Because Marvin Lewis infamously called that a dumbass website, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> a year or two ago. So he obviously didn't buy in fully into the the metrics. So um, I don't know, a lot of play here, but very interesting. I think overall a positive move, but overall a risky move by promoting some of these guys. But hey, the, the offensive line needs work. It needs all the help it can get. It needs the best players up front. And if they think that this combination that they are going to provide now that Jonah Williams is out, Clint Bowling's gone. If they think Michael Jordan and Trey Hopkins are part of the formula that gives them the best five guys on opening day, go for it. Get the best you can out of it. There seems to be at least on paper, some upgrades across the board on the offensive line. So hopefully we'll see some improvement as uh, over a line that was not very good in 2018. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Kazenz, and I'm joined, as always, by John Sheeran. Uh, programming note as well, as we do this show on Wednesday night, and thank you all for joining us live. Thank you all who listen to the show after the fact as well. We will be doing an afternoon 
uh, a Friday afternoon listener questions segment. Uh, we'll probably be doing that about 3.30 Eastern. Um, that one, we're kicking around the idea. We, we talked about doing this show through, our, through Cincy Jungle's Facebook Live. That one we may actually do <laughs> through Facebook Live as well. So join us there. We'll be sure to keep you in the loop on that. But think about joining us and submitting questions. We've already had questions sent to us throughout the week. We'll be doing that. We'll also be doing another show on um, Sunday afternoon talking about the roster breakdowns that will also be on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. And then that'll be transferred to, of course, our YouTube channel and all, all of our audio channels. Um, so get those and join us live. Submit some questions and comments if you are able to join us either on Friday or Sunday through um, the final cutdowns that'll be coming. And those audio channels, by the way, are iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone. Um, I mentioned, of course, YouTube, and then all of our stuff is on cincyjungle.com. So uh, get our show how you are able. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John, is it time to examine the roster? We talked a little bit that final cuts are coming here. Uh, is it time to talk about some of these position groups that are a little cloudy? If we don't, if we don't do it now, we'll never be able to do it. If not now, yeah. when, right? If not now, when. <laughs> um, so... I, you know, we could we could sit here and go through every, you know, every position group uh, that may be some in some people's views uh, the best way to do it. But for the sake of time, I don't think we are going to do that. I think we will mostly. I mean, we'll go through every position group, but um, I think others we will specifically spotlight based on um, you know some of the competitions and things we've seen this preseason. So um, obviously, one of the more the most important position on the team and one of the more interesting battles uh, is at quarterback. If we look at the quarterback position, John, as we sit here on Wednesday evening with final cuts coming, what, how many are they keeping? Who are the guys that they're keeping? And, and uh, if they keep three, is there any chance Jake Dolagala beats out Jeff Driscoll? Yeah, if they keep three, I think Dolagala's in and Driscoll's out. Primarily really? Because, yeah, yeah, because Driscoll hasn't played in, in two weeks, and Dolagala's looked pretty good. And honestly, they're, like we've had this conversation about Finley and Dalton. There's things that Finley looks better at doing than Dalton, and I think the same can be said with Dolagala and Finley. So if you combine all three of those quarterbacks, you might end up getting a pretty decent one. But um, I, I think there's, there's traits that – you would like to keep Dolagala around more than Driscoll. I know Driscoll has "quote unquote" positional versatility, but at the end of the day, like I, I, I think you would rather invest in the future of Dolagala than, than Driscoll. I don't think they're going to keep Dolagala. I think he's basically confirmed for the practice squad as long as he clears waivers. But they're honestly like after watching the third preseason game and comparing, you know, the throws that Finley made to the throws that Dolagala made. Obviously, second team, third string. How much of a difference do you want to? You want to describe there? That's up to you. But there's there's traits for to Dolagala that I would take over Finley, particularly just with natural velocity, just just his motion, his size, 
size and speed for, for who he is as a quarterback, there's there's a lot to like with Dolagala. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's necessarily better than Finley, because obviously Finley's going to win the backup spot at this point. But I think the plan is just Dalton Finley, Dolagala on practice squad. I think that's how it's going to go. So you say, you're saying they keep two and put Dolagala on the practice squad uh, for the final yes. roster. Okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's the – that is the – direction I'm leaning as well. I think they, they go a little leaner there um, and, and hope that, you know, if there is an injury to Andy, not, they don't hope that there's an injury to Andy Dalton. The hope is that Ryan Finley would come in and be able to do some, if not a lot of the same things that Andy Dalton can do in this offense. Um, Finley has looked great in the preseason, obviously very accurate. Um, a lot of great timing, uh, really kind of to use an old adage, throwing guys open a lot of times. Um, but the arm strength still seems to be an issue. Uh, the confidence in throwing the ball deep seems to still be a little bit of an issue. But, um, you know, for the most part, he seems as, as bad as he looked in, uh, supposedly in spring and summer. Um, he has been lights out in the preseason. So um, because of some crowded position groups elsewhere, I think uh, they will go with two. Dolagal is probably a practice squad guy, um, and you know Driscoll. Do you do you think Driscoll sneaks on anywhere? Like you know, as a like I said, like a Taysom Hill guy that maybe plays some wide receiver, or is he just he's out of the picture? I, it, he just hasn't played. Yeah. Like uh, that's that's ultimately the one thing. I, I think like Jay Morrison said, like um, or like someone asked Jay Morrison, like what, what's the injury status for these guys, and he mentioned like he said Driscoll's just new to this point. It just just doesn't matter. He's basically as good as gone. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I think, I think Driscoll's gone too. I think he was kind of a, a shiny toy of the past regime and uh, that luster is kind of worn off uh, under this regime. So um, two there, uh, you know, quickly moving on to running back. There's a lot of, there is a lot of talent there. The question I think is, do they keep three or four? I think they keep four, including both of the sixth round picks this year. Rodney Anderson looked amazing last week i mean oh my god just just amazing holy crap but uh and for those of you who maybe did not see it um john put up a really good post on cincy jungle kind of chronicling some of the the catch it was mostly in the receiving game ironically because there were not many running lanes open for him but for a guy coming off a knee surgery he looked awesome um like he had 22 yards after contact rushing he had seven total yards rushing that's ridiculous. If that doesn't say something, then yeah. <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. And uh, agility looked good. He's very, very nimble and fleet of foot for a guy that's 220, 225 pounds. Um, really, there there are quite uh, – there, there are some similarities in terms of the cutting ability and sometimes the one-cut-and-go type of runner like Joe Mixon. But I think they keep four. I think it's yeah. it's Mixon, it's Bernard, it's Travion Williams, and it's uh, I think they do keep Rodney Anderson on there, especially from what we saw last last week. Yeah, uh, I, I think it just depends on if they want to activate all four. I think they're probably going to deactivate one. It just depends on who they trust more on special teams. Right. I think they've they've given Anderson reps there. Obviously, Williams was taking reps there. I think before he got injured. So it might, it might come down to if Williams is still unhealthy for for week one, they might activate Anderson, but. Honestly, they, they, they just can't go wrong here. They keep four, and yeah, that, 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 that's the future of that group right there. Yeah, so let's. I think that's that's four, and that is one of those positions maybe, even though those guys, 
maybe a Travion Williams can help out on special teams or, or maybe Rodney Anderson, if you want to try him at kick returns, I don't, I don't know that that's his forte, but um, you know, I think that the special teams ability of those guys are limited, but you've had Joe Mixon missed a couple of games last year. Gio Bernard has missed games in his career due to injury. That's just a position that gets beat up and they seem to have a stable of really talented guys. So keeping four makes sense, even if it means going lighter, a quarterback, We'll, we'll go here next because Will Smith brought this up uh, in the live YouTube chat. Does Mason Shrek make the team? I think so. So this is one of those positions. Do you keep three? Do you keep four? Do you keep three and one of those guys is kind of an H-back guy? Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure Eifert, Uzama, and Sample are all safe. It's basically a scrum between Seathan Carter, Mason Shrek, um, and a, a slew of others that are, are grinding for a spot here. What do you, what, how do you think this shakes out? I, I think they go Carter because I think mm. they trust him more on special teams. And that's another position where there could be a conversation regarding uh, um, if they activate three or if they activate four. Like Shrek has gotten more snaps this year on, on, on special teams, but he hasn't really looked promising there. And I think they still obviously love him as a receiver and potentially brings there over a guy like Carter. And that's why I think they try to stash him on the practice squad. But there's, there's going to be cuts here where, you know, they might sacrifice a handful of guys that they've in the past trusted on special teams. And ultimately they're going to be looking for, for players, you know, for, for the guys who aren't going to be cut, they're going to be looking to maximize their special teams potential there, even when some guys are gone. So I think Carter makes it ultimately ultimately because uh, Darren Simmons still trusts him on special teams. And, you know, like for a fourth tight end, like not much to be counted on as a receiver. So I think that's the only reason why, why he stays on. I think they may only keep three. Um, uh, and I'd like to see a guy like Shrek. And your, your projection could very well come true because Seathan Carter also has that H-back capability. Um, that's kind of where they would maybe use him a bit more. At least that's where he was looked at under Marvin Lewis. Um, I just, I wonder if Sample is going to be a guy that can maybe, you know, kill two birds with one stone in his roster spot where he can maybe do a little bit of the H-back stuff as well as be a more traditional tight end, do a little bit of both. And then that way they can go heavy potentially at defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver, whatever they need to do. Um, that's my initial reaction at first blush. Yeah. I just don't know if they're really going to use the H. I mean, we've had this, this was a listener question, I think a while back and like, like they didn't, they didn't really show it in training camp and they haven't really shown it in the preseason. So maybe it's something that they do every once in a while, but yeah. like, I think, I think that's just something that, it's still kind of in our brains from like old Marvin Lewis offenses, and it's just not something that that Taylor necessarily wants to do. Obviously, having that would, would help in some situations, but if it's not if it's not anywhere close to priority, then it might not come down to might not be a factor when it comes down to, to a decision like this. Yeah, uh, I think because of the green injury, I think the Bengals probably keep uh, seven wide receivers. What do you think? Yeah, I think seven's the number. Um, you have five locks in green. Boyd, Ross, Erickson, and Willis, who's the starter now. I think you can give a soft lock to Auden Tate, and his injury sucks, but the fact that he started, played well as a starter, they're giving him a ton of reps on special teams, I think you can safely say he's on the team. That seventh spot is, in my opinion, like a four-man race between Josh Malone, Cody Core, 
and two undrafted guys in Stanley Morgan and Ben Bryant. Morgan's injured right now, so it looks like maybe the practice squad are bust for him. Bryant, I think they're going to try to stash from the practice squad as well because he's been Doligado's favorite receiver, and I think they want to keep guys who have a good wrap for at least on the practice squad. So it, it might come down to Core Malone, and Malone is just not used on special teams. Core is, and it was interesting because Core wasn't given special teams reps last week that was um, shared between other guys who haven't been used there. And he obviously lost that starting job to Auden Tate. So maybe they were giving other guys an opportunity to really push Core off. But ultimately, Core is like their second or third most used special teams guy. And obviously, yep. Darren Simmons is still here. So I think I have to put him in until I see otherwise. But again, based off the, the decisions that we saw them make last week, you know, basically anything's on the table. So maybe they do keep a guy like Ventel Prime because they invested, they themselves invested in him. And they want to make sure that, that they don't lose a promising guy like him. So I'm going to say core, but it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't make it. Yeah, I'm surprised you said core, but I agree with you. Um, yeah. I, I just I, I thought maybe you would say Malone or something like that. I, I would personally probably prefer a Malone or Morgan. Um, but I, I think Darren Simmons is probably going to pound the table and, and yeah. say, you know, if you're not going to keep a running back that's going to help me out on special teams, you got to give me a wide receiver that's going to help me out on special teams. Core seems to be that guy. Um, so, but I do think they keep seven, probably dress five uh, on game days, activate five, I would say, maybe six, depending. But, yeah. um, you know, I think, I think they keep seven because of the green injury obviously kind of throws things out of whack a little bit there, but I think they, they go heavy at that position. Uh, do you want to do you, go ahead? Yeah, just, just real quick. Um, there's an article on Cincinnati, on Cincinnati jungle right now written by our film guy, Matt Minich. He broke down pretty much every rep that Cody core took on special teams yeah. last year. And he actually came with some, some interesting conclusions. So definitely check out that article. You haven't. Yes. And, uh, Matt is, uh, if, if you're into film review and all of that, Matt does a great job both on Twitter and a lot of times on Cincy Jungle. He creates posts into the that. So I would uh, highly recommend you, you kind of check those out. We may even start uh, looking at bringing him onto the podcast to do a little bit of film breakdown where we're kind of kicking around some, some ideas. So he might be a guy you hear from down the road, but we'll see. Does a great job, though. Good good shout out and rightfully so there john um real quick before we move out of the wide receivers lip says remind me how serious is tate's injury it sounds like it's not serious but no, we've not we've heard that before though <laughs> <laughs> um but i don't i don't i think this is something that's gonna i wouldn't expect him to play this week against indianapolis um but i think he has done enough to make the team and he's probably going to be available i would think at the at the beginning of the year there was a report i think a day or so after that, that it was not a serious injury it was kind of a helmet right on the knee which is not good um yeah. especially when you saw what happened to a guy like lamar miller um but uh luckily tate seems to be okay he'll probably be ready i would assume by uh by week one yeah uh Moving on from uh, wide receiver, we've now done uh, quarterbacks, we've done running backs, we've done tight ends, and we've done wide receiver. Let's do tackles. What what say you, John, on the tackle situation? And boy, is it not very pretty. Uh, I guess three, but technically three and a half. (laughs) Okay, wait. There's an interesting stipulation here. Because Jonah Williams is not on injured reserve yet. Yeah, I think. 
And I, and I think what I would guess is going to happen is that they're going to do the same thing that they did last year, where they cut Michael Johnson, they kept Devontae Harris, placed Devontae Harris on IR designated to return, and re-signed Michael Johnson. I think that's going to happen again with Jonah. It just depends on who they're going to cut. So Jonah, I think, is going to make the initial 53, but he's going to be placed on IR designated to return. Yeah. The guys who are going to be on the, the final, final 53, obviously, are Glenn Hart and Andre Smith. And I guess... If you want to classify Jerry as like a, John Jerry as a half tackle, you can do that. He's basically going to play every position on the offensive line if he has to, besides center. So yeah, three there. No, do not give me O'Shea Dugas on the fifty-three. No, no, three, three with an asterisk. And by the way, O'Shea Dugas last week led up two sacks. Just looked absolutely lost. Um, it's the number seventy, man. You can't wear that. Number you can't. Anymore. It's cursed. It's cursed. Whereas uh, wasn't it Dolagala who's number who's number seven? Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's slinging it around like a right-handed boomer out there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I I'm agree. I, I think I'm one less than you so far on the on the roster count. Um, you know, you look at who they have. They have Jonah Williams, Andre Smith, Bobby Hart, Cordy Glenn, and O'Shea Dugas. So um, yeah, I, I got to go three and an asterisk, like you said, with Jonah. So um, I think he is IR designated return, and I would I I would I am fairly certain we're going to see him at some point this year. Um, I, I, I hope so. I think, uh, I think towards the end of the year, he's probably, if things, if the rehab goes well and everything, I think he's going to be out there. So um, it's going to be a little while and he's going to need time to heal up, but I would not be surprised if they, if they bring him back uh, at some point, like you said, the IR designated to return. Let's move on to guard. Interesting situation here as well because the Bengals just absolutely seem to stockpile this position this offseason. There are currently seven guards on the roster, at least listed as as guard. Um, a couple of real interesting characters uh, obviously are in, um, you know, the, the rookie Michael Jordan, uh, but really – the two guys that saw some starts last year, Alex Redman and Christian Westerman. Those are really two interesting guys for me. Redman was brought back this past free agency. Christian Westerman almost seemingly retired from the team and now came back. Um, played with, I think, the third stringers last week, right? Yeah. So, no, he didn't play. He didn't no, he didn't practice. play last week. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, how do you see this one shaking out? I think it's. I think it's just three. I think it's just the starters and Jordan and John Miller and then, you know, John Jerry. So that's a lot of J's. Um, but I, I, I don't know off the top of my head if Redmond has practice squad eligibility, but if he does, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him there. He's obviously suspended for the first four games. So, yeah. And, and he played last week and didn't really look good. So I just don't think there's any chance in hell he makes the team. Unfortunately for Westerman, like he still hasn't practiced. Like he hasn't played, he hasn't practiced since he left the team. And I just think that the, the, the unfortunately the time is around for him. Unfortunately, I'm tempted to go four, but I'm looking at the names and I just I don't see it. Um, no, I mean the only guy that's kind of a wild card for me. I, I agree with you. I think um, I think Westerman kind of unfortunately dug his own grave a little bit. Um, I think Redmond has not played well, and he was a guy that is more of the mold of the past regime. I, I agree. I think Jerry is a guy that's going to be on this team. Michael Jordan's obviously going to start. John Miller will start as well. The one guy, because of the who is the uh, who the offensive line coach is, this regime, Keaton Sutherland is a guy 
who, uh, and he might have a little bit of tackle flexibility, but he may be a little bit of a wild card for me. Um, but I am inclined to agree with you, and I think they keep three here as well. And that yeah. being that being the uh, the trio, the the J trio, J three, John Jerry, Michael Jordan, and John Miller. I think those are yep. the, the three they keep. Let's go to center. Center is Hopkins and Price yep. in an order that may surprise you. Yeah. Based on last week, so yeah. Um, and, and Price is going to be. I think Price is going to be active over Jerry. I think Jerry's going to be the one guy who does not dress on game days because. Price can play all three interior positions, and if it were me, I would classify Price as a guard first, but obviously if Hopkins goes down, then they need somebody to snap, and I would trust Price more than I would trust Jordan. So, yep, Hopkins Price. Yep, and these are guys, again, it it may seem like you're going light on the offensive line at certain spots, but there are guys who have positional versatility. Here, um, you know, you mentioned John Jerry might be a .5 offensive tackle. Uh, Michael Jordan obviously played center and guard in college. You have Billy Price who did the same. Um, you know, guys, Trey Hopkins has played, I think he started at least three, if not four different positions on the offensive line in a regular season game for the Bengals. So, um, you know, these are guys that even though you may be going light on numbers, there are some guys, swing guys that can kind of move around the line, and especially uh, both Hopkins and Price give you that versatility. So uh, they're, they're going to keep those two there. What did I miss here? Did I miss anything on offense? I don't think so. Did I? I'm at I'm at 25. So, but uh, posi- position wise, I didn't. We didn't miss any on offense, right? Nope. Okay. Nope. So spe- let's just do the specialist real quick. Kickers, Randy Bullock, correct. Uh, punter is Kevin Huber, correct? Uh-huh. Long snapper, uh, Clark Harris, correct? Let's not count Daniel. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah, Clark <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our specialists, not to not to gloss over, hey, special teams is a, is a, our play, special teamers are players too. Um, but, uh, no, but not to gloss over them, but that's kind of a dialed-in situation, and uh, especially those veterans with – the special teams coordinator, who is the really one of the lone holdovers of the Marvin Lewis era, and Darren Simmons, he's going to keep the guys that he knows and trusts for sure there. Uh, let's go with defensive tackle. Guys on the roster here, at least labeled as defensive tackle, Ronell Wren, Josh Tupo, Ryan Glasgow, Andrew Billings, and Geno Atkins. Um, I think it's four. With unfortunately maybe Josh Tupo out, but what do you think? This is really where things get interesting because I think six guys here have a good chance of making it, and six guys may be worthy of making it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, the guy that I would cut with no regard to any draft status at all would be Reynolds Wren, but obviously they're not going to do that. They played him a ton and they just drafted him. So it's going to come down to either Andrew Brown or Josh Tupo. I think Tupo is as good of a right. Like I was never a fan of Tupo, really, but he's really stepped up this preseason. And honestly, the difference between him and Billings is not very large. So I would try to see what I can do with Billings and what the market is for him in order to keep Tupo. Because I also really want to keep Andrew Brown because I think he's the only true three technique behind Geno Atkins that they have. They play Ryan Glasgow there, but he just doesn't provide upside as a pass rusher that Brown provides. And I think you have to keep as many of those guys as possible. And if it were up to me, I would not want to keep three true nose tackles in Andrew Billings, Josh Tupo, Reynolds Wren, 
when I'm sacrificing a promising three technique in Andrew Brown. So I think they're going to go five, and I think, unfortunately, Brown is going to be the, the low man out. But he does have practice squad eligibility, so I think they're definitely going to try to do that. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go five, and I think my worst fears are going to come true, basically. So that's Atkins, Billings, Glasgow, Tupo, Red. Yeah, you know, you, you threw me for a loop on the Andrew Brown thing because he is listed technically on the Bengals' website as a defensive end, but he uh, really – he was more of an interior lineman by trade in college, um, a little bit more kind of uh, in that Geno Atkins-ish, Geno Atkins-ish kind of role, the smaller uh, penetrating yeah. type of guy. And he has played well off the edge uh, in preseasons. Uh, he's flashed a couple of nice plays. Um, I said four, I, you know, I think, I think this might be, uh, again, this might be five. So you had, you had Tupo not, you had Tupo making it and Andrew Brown not making it, correct? Is yes. that, okay. Yeah. So you, you had Ren, you had Tupo, you had uh, Atkins, you had Glasgow and you had um, Billings. Billings. I'm going to say Tupo is out. And uh, Andrew Brown is in, so I will go with five as well. That's, that, that's what I want to happen. Right, but I need to see it first. Right, right. Um, again, when we talk about this, this is what we think is going to happen. This is based on Bengals trends. This is based on this coaching staff. This isn't John and Anthony's necessarily dream scenario. This is we try and make this at least a little bit as realistic as possible, based on what we've seen, guys who've performed in preseason what this team has traditionally done, what this staff has shown in limited access that we've had uh, in their short time here. So that's kind of what we're basing all of these on. I, I just think Andrew Brown is one of those guys that played well in um, the the preseason. And sometimes a positional move is both a, a coffin nail or it's, it's sometimes a, a way that a guy gets on the roster. So maybe him having that flexibility – being able to rush inside as a defensive tackle, but listed as a defensive end and being able to do some stuff there. Maybe that's what helps Andrew Brown in my book. Let's go defensive end. Uh, I'm going to go five here as well. I think it's the five that we expected to make it. And that's Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, Jordan Willis, and Kerry Wynn. Wynn has looked very good this preseason. So he's looking like a pretty solid free agent signing. The only guy I originally had on the bowl was Jordan Willis and, We've seen Willis not dominate, but look really good in the preseason, and he's obviously had a great three weeks so far. So nothing's really changed, in my opinion, from from what we should believe Willis is until we see it in the regular season. And if I were to cut one guy, it would be him, because I think Wynn is the more established guy and the guy you can count on when the games actually count. But I, I think he's shown enough to this coaching staff that they want to give him one, one more chance. And this is the deepest position group besides running back that they have, and if they want to really maximize that, they got to go. They got to go ten. They got to keep as many positive guys as possible, and I think that's what they end up doing. Yeah, go gosh, this is a tough one because Christian Ringo had some nice moments last uh, last year towards the end of the season. Um, they just brought in this Dare Odayingbo Oda um, that they seem to like. Um, you know, and then there's Emmanuel Turner as well, another guy that they they have at six three. Um, I, I'll go with you because I had them keep uh, Brown, who's kind of a flex guy. I'll go five with the same five. I'm tempted maybe to even go a little bit heavier there, but I, I think that's a little too much. So I, I think I'll go uh, the same five that you had: Dunlap, Hubbard, Lawson, um, Willis, and Win. 
Um, Ringo's a wild card for me, though. I, I, I have a tough time. He just hasn't played, you know? Yeah. It sucks, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on to possibly the weakest position group on the team, linebacker, which also provides the most, I don't know, fluidity, uh, whatever you want to call it. They've got a lot of bodies there and maybe not a lot of talent. Possibly the worst. It is the worst. Yes. It's by far the worst. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I, I went heavy on the defensive line. We've gone heavy on, on wide receiver. They have to go light somewhere, and I think this is where they go light. I think Dave Lapham's comments from the other day really stood out to me. Like He basically said they have four guys who are barely rosterable, and they need to find the fifth guy from somewhere else. That's basically what he said. And you never hear Dave Lapham really trash any Bengals position this close to the start of the regular season. So I think they go five, and I think that five is um, Preston Brown, Nick Vigil, or Nick Vigil, uh Jordan Evans, Jermaine Pratt, and Deshaun Davis. And I think they gave Davis an opportunity to play in Hardy Nickerson's spot as, as special teams last week to really to really see if he can provide the same value there that Nickerson has for the past couple of years. And Davis is the slightly better athlete as a defender at, at the position than Nickerson. Um, I think he's just, unfortunately, someone that Simmons has to let go from his, from his department. He's going to replace with a guy that they drafted. And besides that, like Malik Jefferson, maybe you can give him a, a case, but he just... It, it just hasn't clicked, unfortunately, and I think you can safely you can safely assume that he's going to clear waivers and they can stash him on the practice squad, and that's fine. Maybe he can develop a little bit there, but there, I, I, just, I can't justify giving this position group more than five guys because they barely have five guys. Yeah, that's that's the five I would I would take, and I would take the similar route as you um, in keeping Davis over a Hardy Nickerson. I think they are, I mean, relative clones of each other. Uh, and Davis being the guy that was drafted by this regime as opposed to Nickerson, I think he would get the leg up on that. Uh, Jefferson, you know, just another guy who, my God, Marvin Lewis has a pe- pedigree, had a pedigree of uh, linebackers coach, defensive coordinator. He built this awesome defense in Baltimore that had all these linebackers, and the guy could not get a sustainable group of linebackers whether it was injuries or arrests or just terrible draft picks um, in the second and third round, really, I mean, one of the only guys that was kind of a longtime mainstay and he had his ups and downs was Ray Maluga. Um, I mean, Thurman, great first year, was a disaster after. David Pollock, another guy that, I mean, the list, it just goes on and on. And unfortunately, Jefferson is a guy that just kind of, you know, Go going the way of PJ Dawson, right? I mean, it's like, oh, it, it's just another another painful pick. But I'll, I'll say five there as well with the same five, not to keep dwelling on the negative. Um, I and I think we can talk about this once we close this up, which we need to do in a few minutes here. But um, you know, I think uh, this this will what they announce as their final roster. I, I am fairly certain that there will be one, if not more, waiver wire people they yeah, will add. Yeah. I mean I think yeah. I think we can both kind of agree on that one. But anyway, let's go to cornerbacks. This is probably the last real question mark I have because Dark Westernard is still on the pub list and we have heard nothing about him possibly coming off it. So I think they're gonna keep him there, which means they're probably gonna keep six on the active roster, which ultimately means to me that both Tony McRae and Devontae Harris get to 
list. I think if if Dennard were, were to come off the pub list, one of those guys would get would get cut, and probably it would be McRae because McRae is basically BWF's backup in the slot right now, and they're going to keep Devontae Harris backing up. Uh, I believe it's going to be William Jackson at right cornerback. So the group of William Jackson, Draker Patrick, B.W. Webb, Darius Phillips, who I think is still a lock on the team because they want to try him out at kick returner still. And I think he's still probably the most talented backup that they have at the cornerback position. And then Tony McRae, Devontae Harris, those six. Dark as Denard, Devontae Harris, William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick, Tony McRae, and Darius Phillips. Is that right? The, 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 the still in the pub, so it doesn't count. So Oh, that's right. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's on the pub. And so you had Harris, Jackson, Kirkpatrick, McRae, Phillips, and Webb. Yes. Okay. So Lippitt's gone. Kavari Russell's gone. Kavari Russell's gone. Jordan Brown probably gets on the practice squad. Right. And, and Anthony Chesley may, may be on the practice squad. Okay. Yeah. So that's six there. Six plus yep. someone on pup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, hard to dis- disagree with you there. Um, I, you know, I think one of those guys, if and when, you know, things heal up for Darquez Denard, uh, one of those guys will probably get ousted. Um, but for now, that's a that's a six and an asterisk for me. I'm still one. I got to go heavy here on one other spot than you because I've got uh, one less than you. So, um, wait, wait, where, where, where did you go light again? I went light at tight end. You can always add someone. I could. Unless you want to go five safeties. Uh, well, let's talk safety. Let's do that. Let's talk safety. Uh, <laughs> I think. I, I think. I think there's there's four locks here. You have Bates, just Jesse Bates, Sean Williams. They're, they're going to use Fedulum, Clay Fedulum, special teams, and same thing goes for Brandon Wilson. I think they really they really tried out Trevon Henderson and Demetrius Cox at the uh, at the backup strong safety position with Fedulum out. So that injury gave those. Both those guys a great opportunity. I think at least one of those guys is on the practice squad, but um, I, I, I think Wilson is because Wilson was the guy that replaced Cody Core on punt teams last week, at least early in the game when when they were benching Core on special teams, and I think that was what they're going to try to to find out if he could do if for if Cody if Cody Core gets cut. So I think they're still going to heavily rely on Brandon Wilson on special teams, and obviously they're going to do it with with Fedulum. So I think. Those four are safe, and that's basically where this roster ends for me. Yep, hard to hard to disagree with you on that one. Uh, by the way, are you worried at all with what you've seen from Williams and Andor Bates uh, in the preseason, particularly Williams? Um, yeah, that was rough to, to, to start off with. He was not looking very comfortable playing close to the box, but I, I, I think it was a multitude of of, of different factors with, with those plays. And I still think Williams is a solid player. And if this persists into the regular season, I think we can then start to legitimately worried, but um, I, I still think that he, like, even, even the depth, like uh, if Fedlin had to come in and, and play for Williams or even Wilson, I'm, I'm confident in, that the drop-off is not going to be tremendously large. Uh, well, so I'm, I think I'm one, one short. Um, I really liked what I had, though. Um <laughs> So uh, I, I I guess I could add I will add instead of your Seathan Carter at, at tight end I'll go back and add Mason Shrek I think since oh, I've yeah. used him a lot I will go four there and I will add him uh, again just talking talking about the safeties I will go with the same four you went with pretty predictable group there um, yeah. uh, Tony Lippett may make some sort of run at the roster I I don't think he's played very well um, 
and uh, his career has been kind of a roller coaster, but um, you know, I, so I don't really see it happening, but for now that's uh, you know, I think we're in agreement in terms of numbers. There's a couple of different guys that we had making it. I think that our main, if I remember correctly, the, the tight ends and the defensive ta- uh, defensive tackle group um, yeah. it was where we differed. I had Mason Shrek. You had Seathan Carter. I had Andrew Brown. You had Josh Tupo making it there. Um, so, But we had, just to recap, two quarterbacks, four running backs, four tight ends, seven wide receivers, three offensive tackles with the asterisk attached to it being Jonah Williams. We had uh, three offensive guards, um, two interior centers, uh, and then we had one spe- special teams player each, a kicker, punter, long snapper, five defensive tackles, five defensive ends, five linebackers, six corners and an asterisk there because Darquez Denard is on pup, and then four safeties, and that would get you to 53. Um any before we move on and quickly just talk about the Colts because we were running a little long this week, but uh, obviously wanted to get to uh, all of the position groups there. Any any potential surprises you see that either do not make it or slide in? I mean, kind of some wild card guys. I mentioned Christian Ringo could be a guy for me. Um, I don't know any others that you maybe we kind of glossed over that you think. Hey, you know what? They may they, this guy may may sneak on. You know, well, for starters, if you if you propose to Michael Brown to only keep fifty two guys instead of fifty three, that's one less contract to pay. So he might be very inclined to do that. Oh yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's six hundred thousand less. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I, I, well, a wide receiver that last spot it could come down to an undrafted guy over over a guy like Cor Malone and like you know, obviously the undrafted guys are, are the guys that Taylor and, and his staff have brought in. So. That would be my probably my surprise on offense. I think tight end and offensive line and running back and quarterback are pretty much set. So that's basically the only area where there's still any sense of competition. And really, anywhere on the defense, I think it's still a very open game for basically any position. My my only um, concern or worry about the uncertainty is probably linebacker and just how how deep or how thin they go there. And, and if they really want to try you know a, a rookie instead of Hardy Nickerson, if, or if they still want to hold on to Malik Jefferson. But I, I think. You know, like in terms of just like one guy, like maybe maybe like a uh, Demetrius Cox or Trayvon, Trayvon Henderson at safety, maybe they go deep there and maybe light a corner because the backups at corner haven't really exactly produced. But there's always there's always one or two that end up end up shocking us. And yeah, they may they may do something in the in the offensive line too, given all the kind of you know musical chairs they've done there. Uh, Jamie Craig in the live YouTube chat says Bryant. I'm, I'm assuming uh, they're referring to Ventel Bryant. Um, that would be a surprise, but a guy that that you know, who knows? Uh, he maybe he's available. He's been making plays, and that's the guy they want to you know they want to roll with. We'll see. But that is our kind of early 53 man projection. We will take the airwaves this weekend on Sunday to talk about what the Bengals have done with final cuts, as well as what they will do or what they potentially have done after the waiver wire uh, additions. There are some deadlines there, so that's why we've kind of scheduled these shows out uh, this week, kind of surrounding that. So a lot on tap for this show this week. We've got, of course, this episode, so hopefully you can kind of kick your week off with it, at least the middle or late part of your week. Uh, We will be doing a post-game reactions to the Colts preseason finale, so we will be doing that Thursday night. 
On Friday, John and I will be doing uh, some listener questions, a standalone listener question show. You can call in. We'll probably be doing that on Cincy Jungle's Facebook Live. So you can call in. You can leave a chat there um, or, you know, uh, text us, email us, all that kind of good stuff. And we'll, we'll try and get to as many questions as we can there. And then that will be on our feeds, our audio and video feeds. We'll also, as I mentioned, be doing... Um, you know, talking about some final roster cuts, waiver wire additions, things of that nature later in the weekend. Uh, so keep your eyes and ears open for that. And of course, you can get this show on uh, iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Megaphone, on YouTube, and on CincyJungle.com. Uh, do us a favor, though, if you haven't, aside from subscribing to all our channels, also go like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page because we do have a number of videos myself usually the the post game reactions and all of that that are streamed through that facebook page so uh, facebook may or may not be your social media platform of choice these days but uh go go give that a like and check out the videos and and obviously all the articles that cincy jungle does is promoted there too um, but appreciate all the support we're going to move on and close up quickly here with a uh, preview of the Bengals game against the Colts. We're not going to take a lot of time on this one because usually the preseason finale is, um, for lack of better words, ugly. Uh, <laughs> there, there are not a lot of high-profile players that play significant snaps. There are not. Uh, it's not the cleanest brand of football. But there are guys who are making a final last push to make the roster interesting and probably the headline of course that will dominate this game is Andrew Luck retiring um obviously not really much to do with the Bengals but pretty surprising stuff right John uh, I I was I was at a house with my best friend who's a Colts fan and I went to the bathroom and I came back and his head is just in his hands and I'm like what the what the heck happened dude and people are like just check your phone and I, I honestly I thought Schefter got hacked like I know that's the po- I know that's what everyone says but I honestly believe or thought that he got hacked at the time, and we can we can dive in for hours about talking about it. But yeah, that was that was a shock, and and uh, unfortunately, this is the one week where the Bengals never have to worry about playing the the, the cold starting quarterback. So fortunately, doesn't do much for us. But yeah, it's just Jacoby Brissett time, I guess, and not and we're not going to see him either. I don't I don't even know who the, I, I don't know who the Colts quarterback is going to be for this game. I have no idea who the third stringer is. Yeah. A uh, tough position that Andrew Luck kind of put the it, the Colts in with that retirement, at least when it came. But uh, you know, if his body's not working and his head's not right, uh, you know, you gotta you gotta let him do what he needs to do. Hunter Bill, the bank at twenty nine years old, retire young man. Go be with your wife and, and kid. Yep, yep. Go do that. I mean, I, I, no. Even if I was a fan of that team, there's no, uh, you know, no no hatred there for a guy that's got to do what, what he needs to do to take care of himself. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the game itself. What should we be watching for the most? What players should we be keeping an eye on the most? Um, do you believe John Ross is going to get see any action this week? Maybe like the Eifert treatment where he gets like one or two snaps yeah. just, to see if he, just to see if he's alive and if he can run on a football field. But other than that, I would not play him more than a handful of snaps and Wide receiver position is definitely where, if I have to watch this game, which unfortunately I do, it's where it's where I look at first on the offense. It's where the I think their final competition on that side of the ball is going to be. How much? Because honestly, like the rapport between Brian Finley and Damian Willis 
and Jake Dolagala and Vince O'Brien has been persistent throughout the preseason, and I would expect it going forward because I think they're going to do everything that they can to, to, make, to give Brian a chance to make the team. That's probably the guy on offense that I'm watching the most. Um, I guess, you know, Billy Price is going to see time at, at, at center as the second-string guy there now, so he's still working his way up to prove that he can retake Hopkins' spot there. And, yeah, maybe maybe the tight ends, too. Like, guys like Shrek and Stephen Carter are still battling there, so uh, offense is probably where I'm looking at. And defense, there, there's, a, there's a bunch of things to watch for. You got how they're going to split time between Tupo and Andrew Brown. Um is Jordan Willis or Karen Wynn going to dominate the snaps on the edge? And if, if that's still even a battle that's going on, who, who are the who are going to be the linebackers out there? How much is Jermaine Pratt going to play? How much is Deshaun Davis going to play? Maybe they maybe they hide Hardy Nickerson some some more on special teams to see who else is there. And finally, just just with the safeties, I guess, who is there anyone who can still challenge Brandon Wilson and, and what he brings as the backup free safety and, and a special teamer? So there's a bunch of stuff to watch on defense and. If you really want to watch it, I guess there's some receivers you can watch too. Yeah, I think also the the interior linemen, some of the guys we said are, are maybe on the way out, the Christian Westermans, Alex Redmans, you know, guys like that would be pretty interesting to to see how they would do, uh, how they would fare. It's also going to be a game that is probably going to – the Bengals have given their players – especially players that they want to rely upon for big roles, starting roles, making the team, whatever. Um, They have really given the white glove treatment to injured guys or guys that could be at risk for injury, um, all of that. So I think this is going to be a game where you're not going to see a lot of players, but you are going to see guys that, I mean, even guys that you think are at the back end of depth charts, I don't think you're going to see a lot of the Rodney Andersons. I don't think you're going to see, you know, some of these tight ends or, you know, I think some of those guys are just going to say, you know what, you're on the team. You made it. Don't worry about playing. This is more about, you know, this group of guys that we need to figure out who may sneak on to the roster, who's going to land on the practice squad and who is going to be out of here. Um, but for me, I think the interior of the offensive line is going to be interesting to watch. Um, I think the linebacker group is going to be interesting to watch, and I think it's going to be a game where a lot of the weak areas will be spotlighted, and that's where you can really pinpoint and say that's where they're going come waiver wire time, um, whether yeah. whether that's the offensive line, whether that's linebacker, um, you know, who, who knows? Uh, it may be an additional defensive lineman, but – I think for now, you really, like you mentioned, John, you really kind of want to keep an eye on linebackers and offensive line uh, right now in this game because those two positions, I think the Bengals will scour the waiver wire to get some bodies there. If if the Bengals go that route, do you, I mean, are you, what's your confidence level in the team being able to find players potentially that can have a bigger impact than maybe some of the guys will be seeing in, in the week four of the preseason? I would have more confidence in them finding out a rosterable linebacker than a rosterable offensive line, yeah. uh, offensive lineman, because no, no no team has a surplus of offensive linemen, and unfortunately the guys who are getting cut are basically the same caliber that they're cutting for the Bengals. Maybe there's a linebacker or two who can give them some some special teams value and maybe play in a pinch and coverage whatnot. There's a guy for the Patriots, I I lost his name, but they're like one of the probably the deepest at linebacker right now, and 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 I believe the guy I'm thinking of, I can't remember his name. He like led the NFL in special teams tackles in 2017. And I, and I read that he was 
potentially on the bubble. So maybe that's a guy to look for. I wish I had the name in front of me, but yeah, I think they're. I think they're. If they keep six linebackers, I think the six is going to be somebody who's not on the team right now. I'm not too confident that they can find a trade partner with anybody, even though I think they have a handful of guys that have somewhat of a value. But yeah, I would say I have more confidence in finding a linebacker. And if they keep six, I think the six is going to be somebody from who's not on the team right now. Yeah. How how much of an impact, if at all, do you think this this week four game has on? I don't know, confidence level, preparation, anything for the week one opener. Does it mean anything, or is it simply trotting out guys to see, to sift through kind of, hey, back into the roster, practice squad guys and guys that are cut, and that's it? It it, it never means anything for anybody that matters, but just for the guys who are still fighting for that practice squad. Like, like this is is like the scouts' time to really just focus in on on basically every game because these these are guys, half the guys, no, not even half the guys, the majority of the guys that are playing are going to get cut, and they're going to have to look for work at someplace else, and mm-hmm. and they're basically auditioning for thirty-one other teams. So it's very important for those guys. It's not going to be pretty. Preseason ball is never pretty, but especially when none of the starters are playing for the entire game. So there's there's going to be guys like like we said at, at those deep positions that unfortunately are not going to get their opportunity here, but they're going to, they're they, they can get, they can find someplace else, and it all depends on how well they play on Thursday. Well, uh, the Bengals take on, they host the Colts to end the preseason. Um, it's always, every year, uh, the, the preseason ends with those two teams playing each other because of the proximity of the two clubs. But uh, those two teams are set to face off this uh, Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll have the coverage on cincyjungle.com in terms of news, opinions, analysis, any breaking news, things of that nature. Uh, we'll also have the post-game reactions on uh, the Facebook and, and all of our Orange and Black Insider channels. So um, check that out. Uh, again, may not be the prettiest of football games to watch, but uh, it is Bengals football, and it is the last one before the final, uh, before really the season starts and the Bengals kick off in Seattle against the Seahawks coming up here. John, we've run long. I just want to give one final thought, uh, and it's a question to you and a question for both of us before we get out of here. What do you think? You know, we're talking about how the Bengals, uh, when they announce the final roster, it probably will not be the final roster. They will probably look at the waiver wire to see and make an addition there. But what do you think about a trade? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the Trent Williams thing or whatever. What do you think about a trade, a player-for-player player trade, a draft pick-for-player trade, someone that can come in right away? How likely do you think, if you could put a percentage on that, how likely do you think that would be, especially if maybe they sift through the waiver wire and don't like what they see? I'll give it a solid 15%. I th- again, I think there's a handful of guys who have somewhat of a value at positions that they'd be comfortable with, with, with what the depth is at, at the moment. I think a, a player for a pick is more likely than a straight-up player for player. Like you said, obviously nothing blockbuster. But honestly, if I'm Duke Tobin and if I'm the Bengals, I'm getting on the phone and seeing what the value for Andrew Billings is. And I love, I love Billings. I love him as a guy. But I think if you want to go, you know, keeping the best guys there and keeping as many good guys as possible, I think Billings is the guy that you should look to see at least what the market is and see if you can get a fifth or a six-round pick. And you're able to keep a guy like two. If there's one trade, I'll predict. I think that's that's it. But um, other than that, I, I don't. I wouldn't expect it. But again, you, you just never 
aggressive they are nowadays. Yeah, so your percentage was? 15. 15, okay. Uh, death to, to Religion in the live YouTube chat uh, says 60%, probably on a linebacker. Um, I'll, I'll kind of meet both you guys in the middle there. I'll say about 30%. Um, now, granted, this was more of a Marvin Lewis thing in terms of what, uh, you know, in terms of striking these types of deals, but um, I, I think that that is something that is definitely on in the realm of possibility. And like you said, there may be a real shortage of offensive linemen in the waiver wire, and that may be something they look at like an offensive tackle or something like that. Yeah. So um, we'll see. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. You can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Megaphone, on youtube and cincyjungle.com really anywhere you get your podcast you can find this show we appreciate you tuning in we appreciate you hanging with us over these past couple of weeks when we've been dealing with some of the youtube google streaming services uh we talked about why we've continued to do it this way um so at the beginning of the show it's because of you and the listeners and your interaction with us which is always great and interaction with each other obviously fans like to talk to each other about Bengals football so um, you know, I, I pre- we appreciate that. That's why we're going to try and keep the streaming thing the way it is as you know, but we got to figure out different, different routes and we're, we're working through that, but we appreciate your patience. Um, I will say, uh, thank, thanks for all the compliments guys. Um, I will say this, there was a question, uh, from Isaac asking if I'm going to the opening game in, in Seattle, there was talk that I was maybe going to do that. I am still looking into it. There is a possibility I had to put a lot of different things together so uh i i am looking at possibly doing that and i will definitely uh if anyone is interested lives in the seattle area or are planning to go and i end up going uh i will definitely let you guys know so it's it's a possibility it's not for sure yet but it's a possibility anyway uh thanks everybody thank you john appreciate appreciate what you do my friend yeah no problem man let's let's, let's finish this preseason all right take it easy everybody